have your Bibles, once again, take them to the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter number 3. Ruth chapter number 3. I like preaching uh, different topics from the Bible, going from place to place, but one of the things that I have thoroughly enjoy is just staying in one book and following its themes and following what it says and coming, becoming very familiar with that book and, and gleaning out all that we can from it. And that's why I've enjoyed so much about the book of Ruth. But we're going to pick up reading in Ruth chapter number 3, verse number 9. We'll kind of overlap what we read the last time. But I want to bring to you this thought this morning. I take my message title from the song that we, we've sung, I believe we may have sung here before. I know you probably sung it. I have been redeemed. Redeemed. That's the whole point uh, in the book of Ruth, that it's the, it's the climax. It's, it's what this book is heading towards, the redemption of Ruth. Ruth chapter number 3 and verse number 9. Do you remember how that uh, in this scene, give you the background, how that Naomi told Ruth to pretty herself up, get her nice clothes on, anoint herself and go and approach Boaz who's now sleeping at the threshing floor. They did that to protect the wheat and the barley. They would keep people from getting it. They would stay there, work all day and, and sleep among the piles of barley before it was put up. Uh, Ruth did that, and in the middle of the night, he wakes up, and that brings us <coughs> to verse number 8. I have got a frog in my throat. This ragweed's starting to get to me, so pray for my <coughs> voice. Let me get another sip of water here. And it came to pass, verse number 8, and it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned to himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord my daughter, for thou hast showed, me, showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, insomuch as thou followest not young men, whether rich or whether poor or rich. Now, daughter, now, excuse me, and now, my daughter, fear not, for I will do to thee all that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that, that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. That's what we're going to be focusing in on today. This All this transaction, he's, he's saying something's got to be dealt with first. There's someone closer to you than me. Tarry this night, verse 13, Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not, the part of, not do the part of the, a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. And she lay at his feet until the morning, and she arose up before uh, one could know another. And she said, let, let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. Also he said, bring the veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it. And when uh, she held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. 
and went in and she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, "Who art thou?" She said, "Who art thou, my daughter?" And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, "These six measures of barley gave he me, for he said unto me, go not empty unto thy mother-in-law." Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the men will not, for the man will not rest until he have finished the thing this day. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men, the elders of the city, and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsman, Naomi, that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it besides thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot buy, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine uh, mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. uh, For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. And Boaz said to the elders and unto the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. Ye, and from the gate, excuse me, and from the gate of his place, ye are witnesses this day. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. The land, uh, the Lord make thee, excuse me, the Lord make the woman that is come into, the, into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which, did, which too did build the house of Israel, and do, and do thou worthily in Ephrathah, and be famous in Bethlehem. And let thy house be like the house of Pharez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young Woman, I know that's a longer text, but we've got to take the whole scene here and put it together to understand I have been redeemed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, 
Lord, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you uh, for the ancient practices of this people and how they, it speaks to us of New Testament realities. Father, we haven't come here today to learn how to transact business, uh, to have a cultural study of the customs of the day. God, we've come to see you. We've come to see your Son, the Lord Jesus. God, we've come to have our heart warmed by your reminding us of how the great price was paid for us. How that you own us now by virtue of the precious ransom blood that you shed through your Son. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and that you would warm our cold hearts to see Jesus in this passage. Father, we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If if Ruth would have had an old church hymnal like we got here, I have no doubt that her favorite song would have been page 277, Redeemed. I can almost see her face glow as she might sing it. I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. All to Him I now resign. I have been redeemed. You know, redemption's theme should ring loud in our ears as well. For God has taken the principle of the Old Testament law of the kinsman redeemer and has made it into a New Testament foundational truth concerning the saving grace of God. You cannot deny that through the New Testament there is weaved the theme of redemption when it comes to the saving grace of our God. The redeeming ability of the Lord Jesus Christ is found all through the New Testament. I'm going to give you just a, just a glancing blow at these redeeming passages. Romans 3.24 Being justified freely by His grace, we have redemption. That is in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.30 But of Him ye are in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Galatians 3.13 Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. Galatians 4, 4-5 but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Titus 2, 14, who gave Himself for us, that He might Redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Hebrews 9.12 Neither by the blood of goats and calves or by his, but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 one of, our, one of our verses we studied Wednesday night For as much as you know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold or from the vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot and without 
blemish. Here is redemption. Revelation 5, 9. Even the culmination of all eternity has the theme of redemption. And they sung a new song. Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. The theme of redemption is writ large all across the New Testament. And it is of critical importance to not only us, but to every individual on this planet. And I believe that each and every one of us can know God's plan of redemption for all mankind by tracing redemption's principles laid out in this text, in this account of Ruth. And so I want us to look at three aspects of that redemption. Notice, first of all, I want you to see the petition for redemption. The petition for redemption. I I started our text way back in chapter number 2 because I want to incorporate, when you look look at redemption, you you need to make sure you incorporate the petition for it. Since the first verse in chapter 2, we have known of the kinsman redeemer. Look at verse uh, chapter number 2 and verse number 1. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, a famous, uh, 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 of, of the family of Elimelech, and he was Boaz. Early on, we know that he's related, that he will fill the role of the kinsman redeemer. Ruth, like all the sons and daughters of Adam, needed to be redeemed. And as the law has provided Boaz to be her redeemer, so as the Lord has provided Jesus, the heavenly Boaz, to be our redeemer. Notice, first of all, in this petition, we see, first of all, a simple request. A simple request. I take you back to chapter 3. In verses 6-9, through nine. we looked at this a little bit last week when we are talking about drawing near to God. And I want us to think about this from another vantage point. Ruth realizes that Boaz is the Redeemer for her. And so therefore, she makes a request of him. Uh, so she's approaching him in the night, and she's wanting him just to make a single request. Her part is to ask. Now, what we find here and in the latter parts of verse 14, there's nothing untoward uh, about this. There's nothing out of line. This is in perfect accordance with God's law. This is not sinful in any way. Ruth has just come uh, come to to Boaz and has asked him to be redeemed. Ruth is concerned, as far as Ruth is concerned, When it comes to her redemption, her part is all taken care of. When it comes to her being redeemed, being brought into the family of Boaz, being brought, having Naomi brought in in right relationship with, with her heritage and lineage, she's done everything she has to do. Her part is only to ask. Beat, spread your skirt over me. Claim me. As your own. Take me as your own. And the only thing that she had to do was ask. Then Boaz, what he does is takes up the rest from there. Once she asks, 
All the responsibility is turned over to Boaz. Now, let's not confuse the simplicity of this transaction. Let's not confuse what redemption really is. It's been said that Chuck Swindoll has a sign on his office that reads this way. One side of it says, idiosyncratically eccentric phraseology is the promulgator of terrible obfuscation. On the back of that, it has basically a translation. Big words cause confusion. Let's not cause confusion, this whole kinsman redeemer, uh, this all shoe thing and, and doing the part and the law. Let's not get confused in all that. It is under the simplest of terms. If those that would desire to be redeemed, their one and only step is to ask, is to call upon Him. Romans 10, 13, And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Roman, uh, John 6.37 All the Father that giveth me shall come to me and, I, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. All our part is simply to flee to him. All our part in redemption is is to simply trust him. Is to come to him. Is to come to Jesus. Like that 18th century Ang Anglican cleric Augustus Top Lady so familiarly wrote Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me Savior, lest I die. I have no other part in my redemption but to come to Jesus. But to simply ask, that's not a work salvation, that's a crying out to God for redeeming grace. It's a simple request. Don't complicate it. Don't overdo it. We are to simply come and ask. Not only a simple request, but a sure reply. Look at verse 11 and verse 3. And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all thou requirest. I love that response. I will do it. His response is absolutely, unequivocally, wholehearted, yes, I will redeem. She came with a humble request. All then, redemption responsibility is turned over to Boaz. And what he says to Ruth is, remember, remember and what he says, he says in verse 13, Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of the kinsman, well, let him be the kinsman part. But if he will not do the part of the kinsman unto thee, then I will do the part of the kinsman to thee as the Lord liveth. Lie down until the morning. You know what our part is in the Christian life? You know what our part is as far as our redemption is concerned? Is to rest in Him. Just to rest in Him. I mean, listen, I understand we have responsibilities, go into all the world and preach the gospel, be a light to those around us, be, be a doer of the good deeds that are as witness of God's dwelling in us. But the reality, as far as redemption is concerned, I'm to rest. Rest in Him. Ruth, you just trust me. I'll take care of everything. 
I'll take care of the whole thing. Listen, salvation is not a 50-50 proposition. You know, so many people, so many people, when you get right down to the nitty-gritty as far as what it means to be saved and how to be saved, they make it a 50-50 proposition. If I do my part, he'll do his part, and I'll be saved. You know, that's what the, that's what the Seventh-day Adventists, that's what the Mormons teach, that uh, we'll, we'll live our part 80%, and then, and then God will make up the last 20, and we'll make it to heaven. That's not it at all. It is all Him or nothing. It's all of Him or nothing. It's, it's all of Jesus or it's nothing. Look at Ruth 3, 15 and 17. Also He said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it. And when she held it, He measured six measures of barley and laid it on her and went into the city. Boaz backs up his promise with his provision. He backs up his promise with his provision. You see, salvation is very similar. If we come and ask, and we rest in Him, He says, yes, I'll do it. If you repent, if you'll come to me and embrace me, Jesus says, I will. I'll save you. And as a matter of fact, I'll give you provision to go along with it. I believe that's the new nature. I believe that's what being born again is. It is that promise. It is that provision. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Listen, before I, before I knew the Lord, I, I didn't give a rip about the things of God. I didn't care about the things of Jesus. I didn't care if I blasphemed His name. I didn't care if I, if I lived a wicked and vile life. But there's something about that new nature. There's something about that new man that when I come in, there's provided something about me that changed me. A testimony that He's given me His promise by giving me His provision. He backed His promise up with the provision. Notice second of all, not only do we have a petition for redemption, but we have the prerequisites of redemption. Look at verse number 12 again. He said, and now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit, there is a kinsman nearer than I. Now, Ruth and Boaz just don't jump in the car and go to Gatlinburg and get married at a little chapel up there. It's not how it works. There's some things that have got to be looked at. That's what that prerequisite is. Before this is take place, some things need to be settled before the transaction takes place. Some things need to be looked into. They need to be handled and get organized before they move on. And so, not on Ruth's part, but on Boaz's part. Now, first of all, in these prerequisites, I want you to see that he is able. Like he said in verse number 12, he said, I am thy near kinsman. But, he said there is another. And that's what Ruth 1-4 through is all about. He's seeking out that other near kinsman. Now, it doesn't tell us exactly. Cousin, uncle, uh, distant relative, some maybe closer, maybe uh, a Limelech's nephew. I, I, I don't know what the relationship is. 
but you, you know how there's some that are closer. There's, a, there's, a, there's like a cousin. There's like a nephew. And then there's like a, a cousin twice removed on my mama's side. You know, you know what I'm talking about. There, there's, there's closer relations. And then there's further relations. It makes, makes total sense. And Boaz is saying, yes, I am a kinsman redeemer, but there's someone nearer to you. He's not just able to say yes and, and run off with Ruth. No, no, no. He doesn't have the primary option. Now, when I say he is able, uh, uh, not just anyone, like I said, not just anyone could redeem. Leviticus 25, 25. This is what it says. If thy brother be waxen poor and hath sold away some of his possessions, and if any man, his kin, come and redeem it, then shall he redeem that which is his brother's soul. So Boaz was a near kinsman. He was legally related to the house of Elimelech. So somebody from another house couldn't come and purchase that land. He had to come from the house of Elimelech, from that lineage of the family. He had to be related in order to be able to be the kinsman redeemer. So what about our counterpart to Boaz? What about our Lord Jesus? He is the same for us. John 1.14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came as a man. Now He came as a divine man, but a man nonetheless. He, became, he came in the form of, of sinful flesh, Romans 8 tells us. In outward appearance, he had flesh like we did. We could see him. We could hold him. He was no different than us. He became flesh like us. He became weary, tired, thirsty, hungry. All of the elements. He suffered. He felt anguish. He felt sorrow. He felt weakness. All of us experienced the same thing. He became one of us. Philippians 2.7 Talking about Jesus, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He became, a, he, he became kind for kind, a member of the human race. And this is absolutely necessary for him to be a redeemer. He has to be kind for kind. He has to be one of us. That's what Hebrews is trying to tell us. The blood of bulls and goats they cannot redeem sin. It's got to be a spotless human. It's got to be a spotless lamb of God in human flesh. A, a redeeming lamb that is a human, one of us. It was necessary. For him to redeem us, he had to become one of us. Just as sure as Boaz had to be related to Elimelech to redeem Ruth, Jesus had to be born of human flesh to redeem us. Brother Ronnie, why is this so important? It is. Uh, there's a teaching in early church that Jesus was just a manifestation of God. That's called Gnosticism. And in a broader sense, uh, there's a lot that goes with Gnosticism. But Gnosticism means special knowledge. And this special knowledge was that Jesus had come in some sort of angelic form. That, that He floated around the ground. That He wasn't really... Because back then the teaching was that anything of the flesh was was corrupted all, was not to be trusted, only that which is spirit, Gnosticism. It's out of the, it's out of the mind. It can't, be, it, can't be, uh, it can't be attained by 
uh, by the flesh at all, or uh, everything that flesh is is condemned. And that's not necessarily the case when it comes to God, because God, we are the God's creation, prized creation. And uh, no flesh shall glory in His presence, but yet we are the creation of God. And God robed Himself in human flesh so that He might redeem us. He came in the form of human flesh. Uh, Boaz was not only related, but he was rich. Go back to 2, two one again. It tells us so much. Not only that he was the kinsman of her husbands, a mighty man of wealth. Boaz, could Boaz afford to buy the land of Naomi? Absolutely. He was a wealthy man. He was not only related, but he was rich. Now, those are the two conditions that got to be met. You got to be related and you got to be rich. Well, what about Jesus? What are the resources of Jesus? Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Hebrews 7.25, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God they come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession. Jesus is more than able to redeem us. More than able in His riches of His grace to redeem us. Psalm 15 verse number 10 says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I like what the old black preacher used to say. He not only owns the cattle on a thousand hills, he owns the taters underneath the hills. He owns it all. He's a man of infinite wealth. And his precious blood, as we talked about Wednesday night, his precious blood is the, is the most valuable commodity in all the universe to God. It more than buys redemption. It totally redeems. It totally is enough. To redeem sinful mankind. He, he, listen, his blood, his redemption price is more than exceedingly enough to redeem the vilest of sinners. Praise God, he is able to pay the price of redemption. He might be related, but can he pay the price? But notice second of all, not only is he able, but he is assenting. What I mean by that is, yes, he's able. But is he willing? Will he assent to it? Will he do it? See, that's what the problem was, was with the nearer kinsmen. Go back with me and look at Ruth 1 through 4. Remember, he got the man, the nearer kinsman. He brought him aside. Then he brings the ten men of the city, verse number 2, aside. And he said to the kinsman, Naomi has come again out of the country of Moab, selleth the partial land, which was our elder, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants, before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if not, if thou uh, not redeem, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it besides thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. The near kinsman had a choice. Boaz didn't have first choice. Why? Because he was a further descendant. He wasn't as near to Elimelech as he was. And so he had first option on this land because he was closer in relationship. And he says, all right now, if you're going to buy it, you need to go ahead. You need to buy it because I want it. If you're not going to buy it, then I want to buy it. But I'm second. You've got primary option on it. And he says, 
I will buy it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if Naomi and Ruth were watching this transaction take place? Their heart must have, Ruth's heart must have felt, this man's going to buy it. And I'm going to end up marrying this stranger that I don't even know. But then Boaz is not done. Wait a minute now. There's some strings attached. If you buy the land, then you got to marry Ruth. That's basically what he's saying here. You, you, you got to have offspring with the widow of Malon because his name can't die. The name of the dead can't die. He has to have sons. So that's what the law says. You can buy the land, but if you buy the land, you got to take the bride. <laughs> you you, you got you to take Ruth to marry. All of a sudden, this guy's want no part of this anymore. I, I kind of wonder if he was married already. And his wife perked up all of a sudden. Uh-uh, boy, uh-uh, no way. Uh-uh. He said it would mire his own inheritance. I don't exactly know what the complications of that would be. But all of a sudden, this man got cold feet. He was able to redeem it. But he wasn't willing. He wasn't willing to. He was able, but not willing. The deal here, look at verse number 7. Now this was the manner in a foretime in Israel concerning redeeming, concerning the changing, uh, to conform to all things. A man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was the testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. There's a transaction taking place here. Here's where it's all taking place. This near kinsman, he can't do it. He don't want to do it. He's not able to do it. He, or he's able to do it, but he's not willing to do it. You know, this is a lot like the law. The law. The law might be, it might be able to redeem, but it can't. As far as our, 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 our concern is, it can't. Romans 8.3 says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. There's that willingness and unwillingness. The law can't do it, but Jesus can. Our flesh is the next of kin, but it in no way can save us. There's nothing more closely related to us than our own flesh and it cannot save us. Only Jesus, through the redemption price of the cross, can redeem us. There's a lot of custom in this shoe situation here. And I don't, I don't, I don't think that I don't say that I know, understand all that's taking place. As a matter of fact, I can't even tell who's taking their shoe off. Is it Boaz? Or is it the man? And I wonder if this symbolism isn't something very intentional. Something that there could be no misunderstanding before the community as to who said what about what they were going to buy. I think that's what it is. You know, conversations can be kind of strange. We could, we could say things and have nuance and language and not be exactly clear as to what our intention or what we're doing. You know, you know what I'm saying. That we can, there's some situations where you cannot be clear. So the taking off of the shoe is an unmistakable indication 
as to what someone's intention was to do. It was public before everybody. Everybody could see it. Everybody could name it. Everybody could say, I, I saw him take off his shoe. They may not have been able to hear all the conversation, but they know one of them took off their shoe, intentionally saying something. It was public. It was a spectacle. Everybody could see it. You know what the cross is? It is that public before the eyes of the world, God's saying, I'll pay the price. I'll pay redemption price by the death and the blood of my dear son. I love you enough to where I will embarrass, he will be embarrassed. He will be a spectacle before the eyes of men and, and the eyes of God. He will pay redemption's price for you. This is the petition for redemption. The prerequisites of redemption. Now the product. So right there at the end we see redemption take place. There's the prerequisites. And right at the end, the shoe is taken off. The word is given. The assurance that Boaz has the option. The other guy wouldn't do it. He might have been able, but he wouldn't do it. Boaz says, I'm able and I'm willing. I'm going to buy. And the transaction took place. In a blink of an eye. That's how it happened, automatically. From that point on, Ruth belongs to Boaz. She is his, along with the lands of Elimelech and Malon and Chilion and that descendancy and Naomi as well. All of it belongs to Boaz. And so in that moment, Ruth is now the purchased possession of the loving Boaz. Her life suddenly is radically changed. Now, I want you to notice the product. So, in an instant, bam, redemption takes place. Then there is a radical change from then on out. I want you to notice the product. First of all, what took place after this redemption transaction? Notice, first of all, a hearty admission or admittance into a family. Look at verse 11. And all the people that were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is coming to thine house like Rachel and Leah, which two did build the house of Israel. Oh my word. What, a con what, what words are given to a woman who was a Moabite. Let me go back. Reel back with me. Remember what I told you about Moab? They were condemned. They were the wash pot of God. They were, they were to be condemned. They were unclean. They were cursed of God. They weren't to have anything to do with them. And all through the book, matter of fact, if you look up, you take your Bible study program and you focus it on the book of Ruth, and you look at the name of Ruth before, before verse number 11. I think it's mentioned maybe nine, her name's mentioned maybe nine or ten times. Out of those nine or ten times, eight of them, probably about 80 to 90 percent of the times she is named, she's called Ruth the Moabitess. 
Ruth, the, she's always linked with her past. Did you catch? Always linked with Moab. Ruth, the Moabitess. But now all of a sudden, the woman that comes into the house of Boaz is associated with the mothers of the tribes of Israel. Leah and Rachel. The mothers. The ones that make up the the 12 sons. The tribes of Israel. She's the one that is named uh, among them. Uh, Ruth is named among them. What an admission into the family. She, she's lost the title of Moabitess. You'll never hear Moabitess mentioned again. She's lost the title Moabitess. Her past is gone. And now she has a new life in a new family with a new tribe, with a new people, and a new God, and a new husband, and a new land. She, everything's different at this point. Oh, the same happens to those that are admitted into the family of God by the way of Jesus' redemption. 1 Peter 2.9 Look at what he says. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. That royal priesthood, I've been studying that in Exodus, that royal priesthood, that was what was in the mind of God when He took the people of Israel out of Egypt's land. A whole nation of priests. But after the golden calves, that wasn't to be. And the Levites were set apart to be the priests in Israel. But the intent was everybody to be a priest. That's what we believe as Baptists. Or I, or I believe as a Baptist. I don't know about... It's kind of a splitting hairs there. But that's what I believe as a Baptist. The priesthood as a believer. The priesthood of a believer. That we are priests unto God. Peter's clear about it. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. That ye should show forth the praises of him who are called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Titus 2.14 Who gave us him... Gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. When we, when we are redeemed, when that transaction takes place, we got a new life. We got a new family. We got a new inheritance. We got a new people. We got a new Savior. We got a new God. We got a heavenly husband now. One who is our, the object of our love and affection. One that we will one day meet in person who paid redemption's price for us. Oh, that's why I like to sing that song. Um, one of my favorite preachers, Bob Darty, used to come and he'd preach a message. I'd hear him preach it at different places. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And he'd just delineate all through that message about what it meant to be a part of the family. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the blood. I've been cleansed. I can't remember the lyrics, but I'm glad I'm a part of the family of God. That's what Ruth was. She's admitted into the family. A hearty admission. But also, a heaping adoration. Look what they said. And let... Oh, it's verse last part. And do thou worthily in Ephrathah, Meaning that Ephrathah and Bethlehem are kind of synonymous with each other. It's like naming Dade and Trenton. They're, they're kind of synonymous. They go together. He's saying, and do thou worthily in Ephrathah and be famous 
in Bethlehem. And let the house be like the house of Pharaoh's whom Tamar bare unto Judah of the seed which the Lord gave thee of this young woman. What is he saying? Man, they are, these elders are heaping praise on Boaz for what he's done. Right there in their midst, they have seen the grace of God. The mercy of God. How that Boaz has redeemed this Moabitess woman and brought her into the family. They're heaping praise on him. They're saying, may your name be as famous as Judah, whose offspring populated Bethlehem. And it is to be. For out of the line of this kinsman redeemer, Boaz, as a descendant born of Ruth was Obed. Obed beget Jesse. Jesse beget David. And David was the royal line of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was born of this lineage. The prophecy of the fame of the name of Boaz came true in the person of the Lord Jesus. Our praise, our adoration should be turned to our Redeemer and cause our hearts to sing, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. What a Redeemer we have. What a Savior is mine. And all I did was ask, what's my part? What's your part? Is to come and ask, oh, spread your skirt over me. Take me as your own. I yield myself wholly and completely to you. From there, our kinsman redeemer takes care of everything else. Stories told of from nearly a century ago that about, about when the Woolworth building caught on fire in New York City, a ladder was brought to try to rescue people from the building. The ladder was a long one and could reach up four stories along that building. The fire was on floor 43. 39 stories too short. Every option of redemption that our minds could put together, that our hearts would might want, that this world may long for, falls well short. Not only are they not able and not... They can't redeem. There's only one that spans the gap. There's only one Savior that can take a hand and put Him on God and take a hand and put Him on sinful man and be that daysman to bring them together. It's Jesus. All other manner of redemption falls far short of paying the demands of the law of God for our sins. It's not even close. Only Jesus is the Redeemer that can span the gap between us and God. Oh, I'm glad I've been redeemed. I have been redeemed by Jesus. He's willing and He's able to pay the price of redemption. Let's stand to our feet, every head bowed, every eye closed. I know, no doubt, all of us in here more than likely know the Lord Jesus. But these are the New Testament truths that cause us and our hearts to swell with love and affection, to see beyond this story, to see the principles behind it, 
is the same love affair, is the same story of redemption for you and I to come to the Savior and simply ask to Him to spread His skirt, to redeem us, to take us as His own. What a beautiful sort of thrill our hearts to see what God has for us here. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. I thank you for the Lord Jesus. I thank you for this redemption that is in Christ Jesus, a price I could not pay. Not any, not any takers in this world could pay. Only Jesus could pay redemption's price. Law cannot do it. It might be able, but it's not willing. I can't come by the means of the law. I can't meet the demands of the law. I've broken the law 10,000 times over. My flesh cannot please you. By the works of the flesh shall no man be justified in thy sight. My flesh can't do it. Only Jesus can redeem. Remind us of that. Help us to live according to it. Help us to rejoice in it. To adore you because of it. Help us to bask in the sense of the new life that you've given us. A new family. A new lineage. God, I pray that you would help us to adore you because of your redemption. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And amen. Page number 119, just one, maybe two verses of a hymn. If God has spoken to your heart, you respond accordingly. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe.